to date, I think uh, my partner Rohit says that I didn't hear a single scream through those 22 hours. And he says it so proudly. And I always laugh about it because I think I was like this kind of this principle <laughs> during those 22 hours because if nobody was chanting with me, I would just like give them this glare and say chant you're supposed to chant otherwise my contraction is not going to be okay this is the birth agni podcast the fire that brings us alive that burns myths and opens a channel of authentic natural birth stories this show debunks the many myths of the medicalized births showcases the plethora of choices a pregnant couple can make to embark on their empowered birth journey. I'm Divya Kapoor, a certified birth and lactation counsellor and an aspiring traditional birth attendant. Let's get the flames blazing high. The government of India launched Janini Suraksha Yojana in 2005. And this was launched to reduce maternal mortality rate and infant mortality rate and as a part of this scheme, women in rural areas and from the lower section of the society were picked up and were given incentives or commission to go and birth in the hospitals. Meaning that more and more women were being encouraged to birth in an institution and as a result of which uh, institutionalized births increased. The outcome of this in the last five years based on the National Family Health Survey, NFHS 5, has been that the cesarean sections have increased by 13%, whereas the maternal mortality or the infant mortality rate has not improved at par and it has only reduced by somewhere around 3% to 4%. That makes us ask a lot of questions and I'm telling you this because today we have with us Baneen Karachiwala who walks us through her inspiring home birth story where Placenta Ekrita was known in advance. Baneen is a public health researcher who has an extensive experience in the Indian public maternal health care system. And she talks to us about the various programs that have been launched, one of which is increasing institutionalized births. And she speaks to us about what are the challenges we face yet and where all improvements can be made as a precursor to her home birth story. And I, and I won't keep you waiting from her story and her insights. So let's get started. So, okay, let's begin from the beginning. Tell us about yourself. So, I was born and raised in the city of Bangalore, uh, where I did most of my formal education um, until up to my bachelor's. For my master's, I wanted to do something around the field of social work. So, um, I went to do a master's in social work from TIS in Bombay where my specialization was medical and psychiatric social work, post which I worked with various national and international organizations, providing support in mostly programmatic interventions, research and documentation. And this was up until uh, last year, uh, which kind of uh, was a number of 19 years in total, where my focus was around the areas of health and development with my interest areas being human rights and maternal and child health. So kind of my focus has been working with pregnant women and newborn babies. About seven years ago, uh, we moved to Goa from Bangalore and uh, we kind of set up some hospitality spaces. So 
that's what I do now. I'm involved a lot in hospitality and design, but I obviously have a continued interest in public health and uh, continue to dabble here and there uh, in smaller assignments. Yeah, your body of work is really inspiring. And it's something that we need at this time for people to come yeah. out and speak and tell. One of the things you've published uh, about is respectful maternity care. And it's something that, you know, we want to touch upon uh, basis your experience, how and what you've seen in your experience with um, birth in, in the medical system. And how did that help you somewhere down the line decide how you want a birth? Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, about, I want to say about 12, 13 years ago, uh, I really started working in the area of pregnancy, uh, intrapartum and postpartum care and uh, respectful maternity cares has emerged more, uh, I want to say recently, at least in India, you know, people have taken notice of it in, in sort of the last decade. But uh, all of my work kind of was along a certain spectrum so of course i was mostly working in the public health sector so it allowed me to actually witness a lot of birth in government hospitals which then also allowed us to question you know what the barriers were to access care even there it allowed us to actually talk to a lot of pregnant women to see what challenges they face along the way and uh, it kind of gave me a like a holistic picture of why or rather it made me question whether that move from home birth that used to happen you know uh, maybe two decades ago before the whole push towards institutional births was really worth it uh, and that you know, I've questioned along the way, even uh, in making the decision about my own pregnancy and home birth. Of course, the government wants the best for women. They're always looking to ensure that there is a positive outcome, both for the mother and the newborn. But I've always wondered, looking at how the health system functions, whether they have the adequate capacity to deal with this kind of pressure you know because India has one of the largest populations which in fact then means that women are going to seek care where people are pushing them to seek care but do they have the capacity to actually deal with that kind of pressure and if they don't then it's always been a thing that why don't they build that foundation before they actually make that move so the challenges that the barriers that we've seen are just lack of access you know, to the facility, uh, there's there's the ambulance services, but there's not ever enough to the remote areas. Sometimes women don't have money to even get there. They have to borrow these things on loans, which then is so, so high that it's hard to pay back. The behavior of staff at these health facilities, which for me is crucial because that's one mm. of the things we really focus on in RMC, is that women actually leave a safe you know space which is their home and decide to move somewhere else but if they're actually not going to uh, be received well by the system then what's going to motivate them to seek care again when it's their second 
birth is their third birth and there's a lot of factors that need to be considered before a push like that is made at the end of the day what a woman really needs is to see a friendly face is you know for someone to tell her it's going to be okay not to be addressed by a number or a bed yeah. but actually by her name you know be given that warmth that i know you're you're a person you're not a number and uh, that i is something i don't see happening in addition to quite often they're not really handled by providers of a certain category they're left to be handled by interns by nurses and only when a complication arises does uh, you know an ob step in right or mm-hmm. a gynecologist step in mm-hmm. and that's something i don't think a lot of women are comfortable with but they don't have the power to say it because they're getting the care for free So this is one spectrum you know this is one side of the whole thing where you've had the dies and you've had local providers who may or may not have uh the medical knowledge per se or you know the capacity to handle complications but they do have the cultural knowledge they do have the experience which could have easily been absorbed by the medical ecosystem which has not been so i often say that that's a gap for me that if you are trying to create these new cadres of ANMs and you know there used to be the LHVs and the nurses and putting in interns in the mix why not absorb the dais who have that much local traditional knowledge and who have the comfort of being that emotional person for the woman who can then act as a bridge of course there are the ashas these days but again that's that's viewed as a completely med, like a cardo that you know comes into the hospital and is still not given that much respect mm-hmm. but i feel like there's that which is missing that could have easily been absorbed so at one end i've seen that bit the other end of it is private care which again i've witnessed because i have friends and relatives who have birthed you know in bigger fancier hospitals and uh, of course the providers are very much present uh, so as to say but not i don't think emotionally present mm-hmm. uh, the job is to really make sure uh, the mom and the baby are fine but the going through that physiological process which a woman would honestly quite like if she was given the details encouraged to birth naturally is completely absent because i feel like they are really all about numbers both monetary and you know getting women in and out so that they don't have to keep them too long in the facility and of course there's mandates of you know you birth naturally you can get out in 48 hours if you have a c section you stay for 5 days and then there's the whole convenience bit of when it's convenient for the provider to you know actually carry out the birth for the woman so even if they say of course we'll encourage a natural birth it's, it doesn't necessarily happen because we all know that hospital births especially private hospital births are mostly intervention led so for me personally it was this versus that so that kind of led me to understand what was happening along the spectrum and tell me that i want to be the owner of my body 
I want to have complete ownership of my birth and I want to be allowed of course with someone trained to be able to make decisions about whether I want uh, an epidural whether I want uh, you know to bear down a certain way uh, I don't want to just be put on a bed and say bear down you know mm-hmm. I I want to be able to choose my birth position which is really not allowed whether it's public care or private care it's not allowed why is it not allowed you know i mean it is at the end of the day something that's coming out of you and you should be in that comfortable space physically emotionally mentally spiritually and i think that's not available which is why i said to myself and it was not a hard thankfully it wasn't super hard to convince my partner because i think he had seen you know what i've been doing over the over so many years and he understood that i'm going to still do what i want because at the end of the day it re- what really mattered to me was being in a happy space and a comfortable space where my provider would respect what i wanted and that's the sole reason that helped me decide that i wanted to have a home birth uh and i wanted uh to birth with someone who had the experience but yet understood how important it is to a woman to birth naturally take their time feel happy about the experience and that to me sums up what respectful maternity care is that it's it's really the woman first and she's the only one that matters and the outcome is of course important but the process is also important so the next time round if you want to you know have another baby at least that part in your head is not like daunting to you right it's mm-hmm. it's more like oh at least i have a happy birth experience to look back to and say yeah it's it it was worth it i would do it again and i would do it the same way so i think that was what led me to choose uh, the home birth fit yeah so all of these factors that you've spoken about they are huge yeah to say and it's not a small thing to actually yeah. have seen both sides of the system yeah. and to know that healthcare is trying its best but from a way um loose foundation i would say because when you speak about safety when you speak about comfort for the woman when you speak about a woman being respected when you speak about a woman being at the core in the center being heard all of this is crucial for the birth to unfold that's yes. important for the baby yeah. to be born otherwise yeah. birth is really hindered it's yeah. not going to function the way nature wants it to function and have you do you think we are in any way behind the west in this or we are following the west in this because we do have our dies from like just a generation or two before and there are still people in the rural areas who are having home births with local dies but it's reducing dies are scared for some reason i don't know why they don't open up but they're scared to meet people they're, they're scared to speak up They're scared mm. to even attend births today. I had someone very recently tell me that I wanted a local diet to come to my birth, and being from this middle and upper mm. middle class, they're really wary of us 
we're going to call yeah. the police we're going to do this or that do you think we are behind the west or we are just following the west and it's the entire circle that we're going to follow and then come back to where we actually began you know uh divya quite frankly i feel like uh the medical system has made it quite scary for traditional practitioners uh right from uh, instilling the fear of we will penalize you if you carry out these births etc i'm not sure how i would address this but the government's mandate is to really ensure that maternal deaths and infant deaths are you know really come down to a net, like a, a zero right and and that for me is full respect because i think that's what india needs because we did have very high maternal mmrs and imrs so i feel like from that uh, angle they they're right in doing that from the angle of not absorbing this cater into their system i feel that's completely wrong like i've mentioned before they've they've missed out on like a whole existing you know uh, existing intelligent knowledgeable ecosystem so i think from the government's angle it's never going to go back i think private private institutions are trying to introduce this whole uh system back again so i don't know whether we're behind the west or following the west but i think people are trying to do things independently to ensure that women who are interested and women who feel this is important get what they want say for instance i know that doulas assist providers but again what what's that subset it really requires a very grounded confident provider to actually say no i want to train someone who has other sensibilities and qualities and qualifications to actually be able to do what they're meant to do it's not it's not a threat you know like a doula is not going to replace a gynec right or you know a dai is not going to replace a nurse they all have their independent qualities and skills that they bring to the table absolutely but it takes somebody else it takes something else to realize that and unfortunately india doesn't have that realization yet or they do have the realization but they don't have the technical skills to to make it happen which i think is extremely sad and even though a lot of great things happen on paper there's not much that is carried out at the implementation table if it's carried out at the implementation table then there's not much monitoring happening so it's there's a whole you know i think it'll take a whole different ball game it'll take a whole kind of new young leadership to recognize the importance of these things that we're talking about to actually make it happen yeah i think a lot of it is social like you're saying a lot of the providers like you said do not have a free hand or yeah oh many of the people who are at the center of healthcare are scared of yeah litigation um if anything goes wrong so it's easier to do a surgery which happens in 15 minutes and i'm sure it's most of it is going to be okay and then it also saves me 
because I did a surgery. So that was the last resort. I could do it. Yeah. Which is why morbidity and the health of the woman and the baby is not being questioned because we're only after mortality. Right. The dais or the local midwives were not really at fault. Some of it happened because of, yes, hygiene, which is why the institutions, yes, um, lack of care, continuous care. Yes, but I love the fact that you've brought in a very important point that existing, intelligent, uh, traditional and experienced uh, workforce should definitely be brought into the system because it's going to help bring down another problem that we that's on the rise the rising rates of cesarean sections and some day or the other we're going to question that so yes Yes. and now let's go on to and i definitely do want to you know uh, have maybe another conversation with you in detail about all the work you've done all the papers published because that's important to speak uh, about and bring into notice but right now on to your birth story so you decided to have uh, a homework and yeah. by you in Goa then how did you find Karina your midwife and how did so, it all play out yeah so um I was uh, I was actually we had moved to Goa I was shuttling between Goa and Bangalore at some point then I got pregnant I had always known of Karina because I had other friends who had had their births with her. So I always knew that if I ever got pregnant, that even if I didn't live in Goa, because that was kind of not always the plan, uh, I would then move to Goa or come see her and, you know, make sure my birth was with her. And uh, so when I got pregnant, immediately I knew that uh, this was great. I live partially in Goa. I was moving back and forth. So I would do, you know, kind of a week in Bangalore, three weeks in Goa that kind of situation. So it really helped to get the best of both. So I I started with uh, medical, you know, going to a hospital and making, getting my blood work done and, you know, all of the routine scans and tests that were needed because I just wanted to make sure in the first trimester that everything was okay. And when I came for a couple of weeks to Goa in, at the end of my first trimester, uh, I contacted Karina and, um, you know, we we had a chat on the phone and subsequently she came home to meet me. And that for me, again, was really interesting and exciting that I had a provider coming home to me rather than me going, waiting at a hospital, which sometimes took me 45 minutes to an hour. And it's not something you really want to do, you know, when you're pregnant, you're hot, you're, you know, yeah. not feeling it and you just. You, you just like some uh, some kind of uh, just, you know, a feel good, uh, you, you know, something to yeah. make you feel good. Maybe and nurturing. Say, it's nurturing. Yeah, nurturing. Like, you know, you're special. I'm going to come see you. You don't need to come see me. And uh, that immediately, you know, set me up to know that this is so exciting. And I remember my first, uh, you know, exam that she did. Where And this was super comparable to the hospital I went to in Bangalore where, you know, I was on lying on the bed and they just squeezed some cold liquid onto my belly and, you know, and then the machine went over it. And Karina, on the other hand, took the liquid in her hand and rubbed her palms to make uh-huh. it warm and then put it on my... And I, 
like I just you know it was just such a stark difference to me that it kind of just immediately told me that I had made the right choice and so I did that uh, right up to my eighth month and she would come home every single month to do an exam when we were about six seven months pregnant we also did some prenatal classes with her where she guided us through exercises and you know what to expect when the baby comes and just things around the birth process things about loosening up and mm-hmm. uh she also just kind of taught us little things around what why screaming actually doesn't help you know mm-hmm. when you have your contractions and uh uh to date i think uh my partner rohit says that i didn't hear a single scream through those 22 hours and he says it so proudly and i always laugh about it because i think i was like this kind of this principal <laughs> during those 22 hours because if nobody was chanting with me i would just like give them this glare and say chant you're supposed to chant otherwise my contraction is not going to be okay So uh yes my go to person was Karina and all the advice I actually took was from her because I still remember the other thing that the providers instantly told me when I walked into you know the clinic on at my third month they took my age down and the they like literally vomited oh your elderly gravida and I'm just oh like God. I'm only 36 years old <laughs> how does that make me elderly gravida you know I mean Yeah. it's it's one thing to be closer to you know the age of menopause and trying to have a baby and then it's i would still say okay yeah i'm kind of uh too old to do that but that's again something that people don't don't say because you're just trying to make the woman comfortable you're trying to ease them into this new process yeah. uh of life but i ha- i do have to give it to them you know the provider i chose there was more liberal and not conservative i have to say but at the same time she was very wary of me and my choice of having a home birth i did tell her that mm-hmm. i am going to seek care for 8 months here but i will eventually move to goa and have a home birth i was very clear with her about that from the start and she was a little bit very only because there was something in my uh, ultrasound that uh, indicated that there might be an issue when the placenta had to come out mm-hmm. uh I, there was it it seemed to be a little bit stuck to the uterine wall and so she was a bit wary she was like that might be an issue as like yeah i mean i'm glad i have these scans and i will let my future provider know and if we have to kind of keep anything in line for if i need to get to hospital then that would be it but uh, but otherwise i have to say she was great did she at any point um, when she got to know about your home birth which is also not very common in india yeah um did she uh, apart from the tests uh, about uh the placenta being closely knit to the uterine yeah. wall and um, probably she's also talking about the arteries and everything being embedded so there's there's a chance of it bleeding post birth so yeah. apart from that did she scare you at all like and personally how was she no i think she didn't uh and uh, i think that's also the reason i chose to go see her because it wasn't a big fancy private hospital 
it was it was a big hospital but it was trust run and it was kind of in the southern part of bangalore i lived in the northern part of bangalore but i chose to go to the southern part of bangalore because they're more like easy going there they're not they're doctors who have practiced for like 50 55 years mm-hmm. uh they've seen it all they're not new doctors so mm-hmm. i was allowed to really ask questions and i was allowed to talk and clarify anything and everything that i wanted and for me that was important and which is why i chose mm-hmm. to go here mm-hmm. yeah uh so and 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 possibly if i didn't have an option divya uh, of a home birth or you know i would have probably liked to birth with them as well because they were really a lovely kind of uh hospital in bangalore um so yeah yeah that's lovely then post 8 months what did you did you stop going to her or you uh i got on to maternity leave around when i was about 8 and a half months pregnant uh and i moved to goa so then when i moved to goa of course we continued to birth i mean we continued to see corina and uh, and that became more frequent uh so from uh, the beginning of 8 months i was seeing her every 2 weeks not every month and i still went for like you know 8 and a half 9 month scan uh ultrasound to a, a hospital in goa because that was again important just to make sure there was enough amniotic fluid and you know all of the rest and uh, and i guess then we just waited because uh, because i went into 42 weeks uh without having delivered and uh, that was you know pushing it quite a lot mm-hmm. but at the same time i was comfortable corina was comfortable she said she's had she's birthed women who went into 43 44 weeks and uh, but i think at the start of 42 weeks i was getting a little uncomfortable in the sense that i had a big belly and yeah. it was just hard to you know maneuver and walk around and all of that and i was like okay now i just want this baby to come out because she's been he she whatever it is has been in for a very long time and i think it's time to say hello to the world but Karina kind of said why don't you take and I I live in this lovely village in Goa where you know there are lots of slopes up and down and you know uh lots of walks that one can take so she said let's try and induce very naturally let's um go take a walk like on a really steep incline down come back up I tried everything but nothing worked and then finally I said you know what let's just induce however you you know think it's okay Then she said okay and uh, we one fine morning she said let's just uh, get you some castor oil and uh, got myself some castor oil um I don't know if you want to ever air this but uh, I'm telling you but it was a concoction of castor oil gin and guava juice that I mm. had uh, which it? kind I've of ever heard it's not very good to taste It was delicious because oh, it had the gin juice and the gin oh yes Yeah so that was actually delicious and I had to just gulp it down so my first shot was at 10:30 in the morning and she said you know it'll kind of act also like a laxative yes that's how it brings so you to get things moving and to put yeah. the pressure and all of that yeah. yeah and so 10:30 in the morning nothing happened till about 4 uh she said take another one so I took another one at about 4 uh nothing happened but at about kind of 9ish I was feeling a little bit heavy and you know like there was a lot of pressure she said take another one at about 10 10 15 and i did 
and at that point like i knew that something was going to like my body was telling me that it's now beginning to feel like there's something coming and uh, so i just took a really nice hot long shower at about 11:30 at night um i had kind of prepped a table in my room lit some candles got you know had all the stuff organized for if the baby comes and uh, i kind of just lay down after my shower at about i think 12:05 uh i felt like something was going to come and i felt something wet so i jumped out of my bed and i like just stood there and my older dog coke jumped with me cuz he had never seen me take such a big jump and i had never jumped so high either and i just stood there and my water had broken basically and he was literally just staring at me saying why don't you just go to the bathroom <laughs> like what is wrong with you you're like peeing all over the <laughs> and uh, and yeah and so Karina had and she had trained us to not panic she said mm-hmm. i know this is your first time uh, don't call me immediately um call me when you don't know what's happening so i said okay interesting <laughs> so i looked at rohit and i said you know what uh, water has broken i think it's going to be some time why don't you take a nap because i know the next 24 hours is not going to uh be easy so i said get in as much sleep as you'd like and i'll figure what what's going on and uh, so i tried to lie down it wasn't working i was pacing around you know wasn't working because there was some i mean obviously it's not a normal feeling right something's pushing down a little bit it's your first time so you really don't know what to expect but i kept it going till about 5:36 in the morning oh that's uh, tremendous Yeah and then post that I was like uh okay now I don't know what's happening <laughs> I think it's morning so Corina will be awake <laughs> let me just text her and I texted her and she was uh home in about an hour she immediately came and kind of didn't have to do an exam even and that's the other thing I loved that she didn't actually have to make me lie down and open me up and check you know and all of that she just knew from touching my abdomen that there's a lot of time you know she said it's it's only just begun you're probably only a centimeter dilated uh you have the whole day to go probably so she said but i'm going to stay with you uh and that for me like literally warmed my heart and i knew that someone is going to be there to take care of me because i mean the thing that i haven't brought up yet was that I decided not to have either of our families involved in this whole birth process because I think for parents it's extremely heartbreaking to see someone in pain. I I think they feel a huge amount of unrest just not knowing what might happen, when it will come, uh whether things will go wrong, etc. So it was a decision not to have either sets of parents around also for me to be able to be comfortable in my own skin walk the way i want wear what i want and not be subjugated to anything outside of what i felt comfortable with it's very wise to do that But, i think yeah and both sides of parents were actually amazing to be okay with it you know um so uh, so going back to that morning uh she said let's just have a nice breakfast 
our uh, lovely friend brought us some south indian breakfast and i remember we just sat at the table and i ate an idli and had some water and everybody else was feasting on varas and dosas and i was like damn it <laughs> but she was like i think don't eat anything oily so i was like okay i agree at least you're letting me eat so i'm happy about that and, and that the uh, sorry to uh, cut you that means yeah. me what had you seen in uh, in your experience with women eating or not eating during deva and how did the contractions feel to you those early what did you yeah. feel in your body so in terms of women eating on uh, i mean nobody was really allowed to eat they were allowed like a juice or something they were allowed liquids uh, and and these are women who uh, were going to have normal deliveries so you know women in you know allowed to have a juice or water and liquids uh, but uh, but i was allowed to eat so i was very excited <laughs> that i was allowed to eat uh but i think over there also quite frankly it's probably because um they don't know what to expect women don't know what to expect uh providers don't have the time to explain what they're going to what's going to happen and then you know they're always so short staffed that if actually women eat and throw up or or poop for that matter then it's hard to clean up uh coming to my contractions i remember feeling a lot of pressure on my back uh so every time i had a contraction of course there would be like a surge in my abdomen like out something's hurting but uh there would be a lot of pressure on my back so i constantly and i'm and i kid you not i had three people at my service that day and uh, every time i had a contraction someone would be rubbing my back uh and we would all be chanting om uh include like all four of us and uh, it it was incredible it was uh, it was just so fascinating and so heartwarming to just feel three other people you know really feeling what you're feeling in some sense mm-hmm. and uh, that like just for that i would have another baby you know because it it was i won't <laughs> but you know just for that experience it was uh it was just magical and i till date like it brings tears to my eyes that if every woman could experience that kind of care um uh, just to feel important just to feel heard seen felt uh all of it is just so important just to you know for people to understand that she's feeling hot and she needs to wear barely anything or to be able to just hold whatever she wants to or hug whoever she wants to just to know that you know i'm feeling a certain way and i it's important that i can do all of this with someone it's very special and i don't think people get to experience this and uh, even being in a private facility people don't get to experience this everything is about the focus is only about a healthy baby being born there's no focus on the woman there's nobody comes the maximum is are you okay are you feeling this are you feeling pain do you want an epidural yes let's give it to you but nobody's talking about once you have the epidural do you feel anything that you are meant to feel you know do the the contractions come but are you actually able to feel when to push there's 
nobody talks about any of that and i think it's so important yeah it's there's such a disconnect that um it really doesn't make anyone feel the way they should feel because it was literally my space i remember it was monsoon it was raining outside it was beautiful oh. i could stand at the window i could i had moved one of my beds outside i could just hold my bed and you know when i had the contraction i could just hold it and breathe you know breathe because i was in a safe space because i knew there were people to look after me and comfort me i didn't feel the need to scream i felt like my body was being allowed to do whatever it wanted to do or felt like it needed to do and uh, and that's and that was incredible for sure yeah yeah pa- part of the reason why screaming screaming the way we scream is not recommended just for the listeners is to because when you scream your mouth your face and your pelvic floor from where the passage from where the baby comes out it's all connected yeah. so when you scream the way we scream we scream and we and that that's an activity that you can do in pregnancy if you're pregnant and listening right now you can scream and see what you feel down there you'll feel you're contracting the muscles you used to pee and the muscles yeah. of your vagina and the surrounding pelvic floor but if you roar or hum or chant yeah. the way yeah. you know when you're saying you use a lot of your um you know your your core in that yeah mm. and you'll feel when you're roaring like a lioness you feel that that area opens up because your face opens up yeah So yes. all you need to do is let the baby do the work work yeah. with the work that's happening in the body and keep yourself relaxed yeah down there and yeah and this is just you know kind of very similar to emotion right when you are happy you're just feeling so much more relaxed versus when you're tense and you're angry and you know you're trying to close up it's it's exactly the same when you're giving birth i mean you're how relaxed you feel is how easily you're going to open up and uh and that's and that's what i'm saying it's so it's so important to be in that space though right to be able to do that and to be able to feel it uh the space where you birth is precious it's sacred yeah. in birth and that's going to be the very foundation of how the birth is going to unfold and nobody knows how it's going to unfold nobody yeah. in the world does Yes. eventually so yeah. uh, so being in a space is a gift that you can give yourself yeah. that you can be yeah. to do how your heart feels because that's going to relax you and that's yeah. exactly what you need to birth and not be in a yeah. space where everybody is scared that nothing should go wrong because something would then be done to us so that's yeah. that's that's where owning your own birth looks like that's what it looks yeah like. yeah absolutely yeah and then then so and then i think we went through the day literally and about 6:37 at night was when i felt like i needed an exam i said i think only now it's been too long i sort of wanted to just have a look and you asked for the contract yeah i did uh, and also you know she was kind of feeling my abdomen every couple of hours and uh, at that point i said i'm ready to just lie down actually and uh finally you know in all of our research that we've done uh 
we always ask the question what was the labor position that you took and uh, and of course in 99% places you're not allowed to do anything but lie down on your back and that's something i knew that i didn't want to birth that way because it's the most you know it's a position that really isn't against gravity and doesn't allow you to birth very well so uh but i was so tired from the day and my back was hurting so much that i said can i just lie down for a bit you know and uh i think that in in many ways it pushed my birth uh it made it like the process slightly longer if i had just stayed up a little while longer i may have had an easier birth uh but uh, i think corina really understood how my body was feeling and that i just needed a bit of rest before i could get going again that she kind of examined me and i was already at about 8 9 cm uh so she said you know if you want to start trying we can start trying and uh, i said yeah i think i'd like that and uh, at that point kind of you know i started pushing a little bit and breathing uh the way she was directing me etc and i think i had tried for about 10 12 minutes and nothing really was happening and also at that point so i had corina on one side i had rohit on one side and i had my friend simran on the other side and uh, i felt you know sometimes you're so you're so in your skin and you're you like are absorbing everything that everybody's doing like how they're looking at each other what glances what you know what these nonverbal uh, communication is saying and you know all of that and i looked at the three of them exchanging glances not so much corina because you know she is my birth provider and she's done this how like maybe a thousand times but i got the sense that they felt like i may not be able to pull this off uh i got the sense that they felt that this is too hard it's oh, because obviously it's also their first time right yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and i'm having yeah and i'm having kind of a tough time and i'm saying no i am going to do this this is my birth experience and i want to do it and i will show you that i can do it and i think at that point i was just like yeah guys watch out like this is going to happen and i'm going to prove you wrong and uh, i immediately said to corina i don't want to lie down i want to get up and i want to try in another position and uh, she said do you want to try standing i said sure tried that didn't work want to try squatting tried that didn't work then finally i said i'm just going to walk around a little more let me just feel it I walked around for about maybe 20 minutes or so and uh, they were all just extremely patient waiting rubbing my back around me etc then finally Corina said do you think you want to go to the bathroom and sit on the pot and try and I was like why not it sounds like I'll still get you know some amount of support and I can try pushing there and i think to to that growth it was like on the pot really like um uh, it's a baby could have been born on the pot as like listen whatever works at this point let's do it uh so yeah so that's where we went and uh, i remember you know simran was really lovely and you know she just waited outside the bathroom with her camera yeah with her camera just saying i will take pictures like the bathroom is not large enough 
uh, I think three of you are more, more than enough. So I said, sure. And so we, Corina put a stool in front of me on the commode and, uh, and sat. Rohit was on my right. And, uh, and that was it. And uh, I think... I think in a matter of about three contractions, uh, I felt something like intense. Uh, I felt like the circle of fire. And at that point, I knew that her head was coming out. And Corina was like, her head is there. You just need one or two solid pushes. And I remember with one more contraction and push, her head was out. And uh, that, I think, was the moment where I had my first emotional outburst where I just felt so much relief. That intense burning sensation was, I had just, had just left me. And, uh, you know, her head had emerged, which made me know that I'm almost there. And with another contraction, I kid you not, Divya, she just slipped out all of her. And I don't think I've ever felt that sense of that sense of relief in my life. Uh, it felt like I had won the biggest prize that I could have, you know, managed and uh, and all on my own. You know, it was uh, it was just incredible. Uh, I just continued to weep on the pot and. Uh, and Corina just like kind of just held her. She had, she waited. She gave me 30 seconds to a minute to just let me experience that relief and not push me to do anything else. And in that 30 seconds to a minute, she had just gently just wiped her a little bit to place her on me. And, uh, and uh, when she did, like I said, before that I immediately my eyes went to where they had to go and I had another outburst saying oh my god she's a girl and you know this is the best like best best present I could have ever given myself because you know that's what I wanted and uh, yeah and she just let her be on me to take that in and uh, the pictures will you know allow you to see that and then you know uh, like a minute or two later, she got uh, Rohit to cut the umbilical cord, and uh, and it was it was precious. It was a moment. It was uh, yeah. It was it was just us in a time capsule, and there was no one to ruin it. Uh, it was uh, exactly how I had envisioned it to be, and then uh, you know we kind of gravitated towards the bed and uh, we kind of just had a moment with her and uh, we got her first feed and uh, all of it was in place and uh, and that was that and we were kind of reveling in the joy of having our baby girl for about 30 minutes which just flew by because also those 30 minutes were just spent by Corina in cleaning up and putting everything away and disposing things that she needed to dispose of. And uh, before we knew it, it, I think about 40 minutes had passed. There was no sign of the placenta. <laughs> so then she was like, okay, you can leave the baby now with the others and, uh, and come, let's 
try to get your placenta out. She said, why don't you squat and we'll just kind of gently try to push it out and all of that. And uh, and at that point, uh, something big just fell out. And I was like, oh, there you go. It's, it's out. But uh, she was like, oh, no, that's not your placenta. And I was like, okay, then what just came out? And she was like, oh, that God. was a huge clot of blood. Mm. And I was like, okay. And at that point, I knew, in my head, I knew that, and this was the moment I was prepared for, you know, because the chitter chatter of the doctor in Bangalore came rushing through to my head saying, you know that you might need to go to hospital. And the best part is done with, you've got what you want, now look after yourself. And it was just all a quick conversation in my head. And uh, Karina said, let's just try one last time. Let's go back to the bathroom and try. And uh, and I said, okay, and we did. And, and it just wasn't working. And she was also, you know, kind of anxious and nervous because she didn't want it to cross an hour. Um, and I had already lost so much blood. So, uh, and I'm, and I was, and I was not one of those women who had a great hemoglobin through my pregnancy. It was always kind of borderline 10. I was on, uh, you know, iron, iron folate. I was, uh, I was eating, you know, all the, the, the good veggies, the beetroot and the spinach and all of that. But I never, I've never had great hemoglobin as a young adult and a woman. Uh, so that was that was a concern for me and for her as well at that point when i came out of the bathroom i i fell uh and uh that i think was one of the scariest times not for me obviously because i didn't know what was happening but for her for sure because uh she knew what was going on and she thought she had lost me for a second which i think till date she talks about you know and also being a home birth now that's one of the situations that one has got to be prepared for right then when complications like this happen you need to know your provider needs to be confident um, to handle all of these complications they can't they can't go into a tizzy and be like oh oh shit you know Hmm. what now what Hmm. Um, and, and that was the thing that I loved about Karina is that she thought like she was very quick with her thinking. She had already made sure she had these connections lined up that if something were needed, uh, then we would be there in 10 minutes and, you know, the doctors would be able to take care of the situation. So uh, at that point, it took me uh, probably about 30 seconds to open my eyes and she had the scariest, you know, blank look on her face uh, like she had seen a ghost. And uh, I said, hey, what's happened? She's like, I thought you were gone. And I was like, oh my God, no, I'm here. And everybody was just like, okay, she's here. And Karina literally got into this uh, mode of Rohit, pick up the baby. I'm picking up a pillow. Let's go now. Hmm. And uh, by then, my friend Simran had left uh, because it was late and the baby had come. And, you know, I said, just go. You've had a long day, et cetera. So it was just us. The dogs were extremely panicked because we had to leave immediately. And uh, um, so one of them was outside, one of them was inside. We just, you know, kind of locked the bedroom so that they wouldn't be exposed to any of the blood or things that had been like left. And she rushed me to the closest nursing home, which was about eight minutes away. So and there was a doctor on call there. And uh, and then 
it turned obviously it turned out that we had to do a dnc uh just to you know get everything out and uh, i still remember i was lying on the table uh on the in the ot and uh, i had never met this doctor before because uh he was not a consulting doctor during my pregnancy and uh, the only thing i looked at him and i said is that doc i want corina holding my hand while you do this that's the only way i can trust you and uh, and the next thing i know corina is walking towards me i held her hand and i went under so i knew that whatever happened to my body post that was really her responsibility and and that the trust that i had put in her was you know immense and uh, and she she literally was my saving grace uh you know the next thing i know i i had woken up in my room at about 3 in the morning because i think 10:35 zoya was born we got to the facility about 11:30 uh about 12 i had this dnc and uh, it took me about 3 hours to get out of the uh, general anesthesia and uh, of course corina was in there but uh, rohit and zoya were there and in the room and and i think the one thing i had said to rohit was don't give her any outside milk like you know she cannot have anything and corina also had said she doesn't need anything so yeah doesn't need anything she's good for a whole 12 hours for sure like if she wants give her like a like a drop or two of glucose water at all you know that's it uh and but he was just so nervous because it was his first time as a dad and you know and she was like cooing and crying and and he like had no idea and um and i i think i woke up at 3 o'clock and because he the anesthesia was fading i was feeling cold and i don't even know whether the ac was on or not but i think it was and i think i just screamed at him over above that i said put the ac off it's so cold and i just looked that she was okay and i think i went back to sleep and the next thing i wake up at like 7:38 in the morning and feeling like i had never given birth uh I literally woke up get got out of bed he said do you need any help I said no I'm just going to go to the washroom and see if I can pee and uh, I don't think I've ever been such a nervous bundle of energy until I sat on that pot and I was like oh my god how am I going to do this how I've just had a baby how is it going to come out like imagine a baby has come out but to pee you know so because I just didn't know how it would feel right uh and i peed it was it was just it felt normaler than before and there wasn't a sensation of pain of hurt of anything and i was like but they would you know i would have had like a a second degree tear that they would have had to stitch up and you know i had the dnc and i was like nothing like i felt nothing and i was just like Did I even have a baby? Like this is incredible, and I literally I was so happy Divya, that I just went. I picked Zoya up, and I was like, "Come, let's feed." And I like put her down, and she just latched, and uh, and she just fed. And I think Corina came in at nine nine thirty, and she's like, "Come, let me let me show you." I was like, "She's already fed, Corina," and she was in tears. She was just so happy. 
she said this is amazing you know and like kudos to that woman she went back home at i don't know 1:30 cleaned up my house came back at 8:30 9 in the morning brought me juice brought me you know something to eat uh i was like this is what really you know one needs uh when you've had such a such an intense experience of your life that there's someone to come and care for you uh even before you know it right it and and nobody disturbed us through the night i had a great night sleeping zoya had a great night sleeping and uh and and that was that um she fed she fed i stayed a night in the hospital just you know for them to watch my vitals and make sure i was okay and all of that and of course the the downside of this was that uh because of the blood i lost my hemoglobin had slipped to about 6.5 which was kind of low uh but uh, that's something i had to take care of you know in the first week of her being born i went uh, i went back to that same nursing home for uh some iv iron and uh, and that sorted itself out but uh, for the next one week of zoya being born i had corina come home every single day every single morning about uh, between 11 and 12 to just check up that she was feeding properly um that i was in no pain that uh uh she could teach us to give uh, her the first massage uh to kind of bathe her the first time and that of course only happened on day 6 or 7 she said she doesn't need to be bathed let her vernix come off nicely let her just enjoy being in her own skin don't need to rush any of it uh and just to be there to answer any questions and just to be there as a matter of you know emotional support so that was how it went and uh, it was just it was magnificent it was the best postpartum care that i could get i couldn't have asked for any better i've seen how postpartum care is dealt with in hospitals both public and private it's just a matter of making sure the baby is fed and uh, you know the baby sleeps and there's nothing wrong with the baby and you know there's really no focus on the woman except for can you breastfeed the baby is the milk adequate is you know the are you having any feeding with latching i mean are you having any problems with latching all of that and no, very besides, technical yeah exactly there is no uh there's no emotional connect there is nothing around are you okay do you need anything uh you know your body has gone through so much uh is there something that one can do for you uh there's never any of that and from that point i was just like in i felt incredibly blessed that you know i had someone who could just be there for me through it all and without you know without having to worry about hurting someone's feelings because again you know you're also in that phase where your your body has gone through so much that you also want the time to rest the time to breathe the time to engage with your little one and when you have a lot of people around and it might work for a lot of women for me as a person i am quite private i like i like that one on one time i want to be able to bond and engage 
And I feel like the first week of a mom's life or a baby's life is so precious that it's really the time to get to know each other, you know, to just be able to look in each other's eyes and just be amazed at the wonder that you've created. And uh, yeah, and it's it was just precious that I was able to do that. And I mean, I mean, hats off to, you know, Rohit as well, who had, uh, you know, I was literally just feeding Zoya and I was given that time to rest and not have to burp her or put her to uh, sleep or to bathe her or massage her or anything. All of that I started doing only post one week because I really just wanted to be and not really engage in much more than enjoying my time with her. Yes, that's a crucial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to, you know, now circle back. I have a few questions. Yeah. So when um, uh, this was, the doctor said, spoke to you about the placenta, Gurina must have also heard about it. She must have obviously gone through. What did she say then? So I think that's what her action plan was. She said that if you want the home birth, we will do it. But there will be a doctor on standby for if anything were to happen. Uh, which is why the doctor was on standby and was readily available at midnight, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to do this. So I think she was very aware. She was very, she was very comfortable with her own practice because she's not an amateur. She has birthed, I want to say over a thousand babies as of now. uh, And that number is probably, has probably changed. So uh, I think it was with much caution that she did it. Because also, technically, I was her last home birth, post which, you know, her her lovely center has started. So I think all her home births, I'm sure she treats them with much caution and knowing very well that there could be things that might not go the way they're supposed to. But she also has something in place to be able to deal with that. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked is precisely this, because... We are so scared of yeah. a lot of things and we're easily scared. You know, this was something which was important. Yeah. And it can go either way. Which yes. It, it was a tremendous to hemorrhage postpartum and to yes. have pieces and have the entire placenta inside at yes. a point when you're heavily bleeding. Yes. And be very, very critical. Yes. Knowing all of that to have someone know and have a plan in action. That says a lot that yes. in birth in itself is safe. And yes. yes, we need to, the way we prepare for everything, we need to prepare for it. And that's where a lot of the work needs to go as against fearing what's going to go wrong and just yeah. work with the flow. Yeah. Um, and uh, another question that I had is when, oh, through the entire birth, was the heartbeat being checked and how often was it being checked? Yes, it was being checked. Uh, I think she was checking it every maybe one and a half, two hours. Uh, that's how often it was being checked. So this is also yeah. something, you know, one of the questions that everybody asks. Okay. Yeah. How, how is the heartbeat going to be monitored? How? So, so all of these things, when you go in for a home birth, when you decide for all these things, all these questions can be asked. And how things work at a home birth can also be discussed to your comfort and to your understanding. That's the basis of how care should look look like between a provider 
and somebody who's taking the service that both of them are at the same page yeah and the next day so when you had the baby and when you went to the bed when there was a lot of bleeding were you given any herbs were you giving something to stop the bleeding no i wasn't given anything uh i was uh it was a very quick decision to move out and go to the hospital because there wasn't i mean we didn't want time to be against us yeah. uh so it was a very quick decision to just lock up the house and leave uh it was almost it took us 2 minutes to just get in the car and get there in about 8 minutes mm-hmm. uh and there was you know there were people waiting to take me in and stuff so uh so i think it's uh it's really about the time uh and uh, and like i said you know corina is i think she's she's not like a traditional practitioner and also has a very good well established connect in goa because she's been here many many years uh the thing i want to point out here and is for you know other women listening as well is that the one thing you can't do in situations like this is blame your provider uh you can't say oh but you said you agreed to a home birth and you know we just figured everything will be okay uh and and like you said before there are no one birth i mean no births are similar to each other each birth story is very different uh and and that means that each one has the same risks associated with the next uh it's really you know a matter of chance it's really a matter of a lot of factors whether you you know whether you have an absolutely uh, a perfectly timed birth where nothing goes wrong and you have no complications or you have one where everything is perfect until after the birth like mine where i did have a complication but at that point if we had panicked if we had started blaming someone it wouldn't have worked right it's at the end of the day the decision to birth at home was mine there was someone who helped me do it and made my made what i wanted happen uh but there is there is that screw in your head which you need to use carefully and say now it's my time to also make sure i'm okay and when someone's allowing you know or helping for that to happen you have to work with them and not against them so and i and i say this because i have heard other instances where people have not been you know they operate in a way where they say oh but the baby should have been born by now no you're not that provider right you have to allow the provider to make those decisions for you help you with those decisions and you can't kind of just completely uh negate what is what's the cause right right it's it it takes its own course it's not something that it's not like a candy you need to buy at a shop it's a baby that needs to be birthed so you've got to give it time and you've got to respect who's helping you with it and i think only if you're in that position where you have the knowledge where you have the fierceness where you have the kind of will to be able 
to make those decisions. And I'm not saying take that chance. These are not chances that can be taken. If you feel like a hospital birth is going to make you feel safe and that's what you need and want, please birth in a hospital. But if there's an experience that you're looking for that works with your ideology and works with what you want as a vision, then do that. But at no point must you battle with that. Because it is a process. It is things that people that work together to make it happen. Yeah, right. The fact that in today's extremely consumerist world, we are offloading everything onto someone else. It's very easy to blame and say this is not happening because yeah. you're not doing enough. And like you said, it doesn't help and it actually is minimizing or not letting people come into this workforce. Yeah. Join the, the community of midwives that women need primarily because of this. And like you said, if you don't feel comfortable in a home birth, because that means you're trusting yourself. That means you own what you're doing. You are responsible yeah. for what you're doing. And one of the things that I always tell women is, Wherever you go, you are responsible for something as natural, not a physiological process as birth is. And you're going to sign a paper in the hospital itself that you take responsibility. Whereas, uh, that's not in practice, that's just a formal agreement. Yeah. We do offload our responsibility and the moment we enter a system and when we offload our responsibility, we don't want to do the work. That also happens sometimes because it takes time it is hard birth is not can a candy like you said birth is not easy and it's different for different women some women have an orgasmic experience through the birth yeah some women feel what they feel they feel the intensity it is hard work but it does bring you so much on the other end easier breastfeeding easier postpartum your body a more intact body. There's so much. So everything has its pros and cons. It's up to you what you go and choose for. And I'm so thankful to you. So grateful to you to bring it to notice that blaming doesn't help anybody. And that also goes deeper and goes, you know, uh, down the line when, when we become parents. We can't offload everything onto uh, a provider because my daughter is sick or my you know my son is sick we need to look deeper into what makes them sick it can be emotional reasons also it can be so many other things pharmacy and pharmaceuticals i'm not pro and against anything that's just my personal opinion allopathy or drugs when we when we start thinking that everything can be solved by a by a pill yep. it's it doesn't help in the long run. It comes with yeah. its own side effects. And yeah. we need to know the side effects as well. So what we're paying the price for, we pay the price for everything we choose. And we also then gain all the benefits for what we choose. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Benin, for such an Thank you. It was really lovely. fun. Yes. And I and I can't believe it. It's taken me four and a half years to do this. I was, in fact, just some... A friend, a really dear friend, had no idea I had had a home birth, 
and uh, i think a week ago i was kind of narrating the experience to him and uh, and and then he said why isn't this on a podcast yet <laughs> and it was yes. so funny cuz i was just like hmm yeah maybe soon <laughs> and uh, kind of around the time we were talking as well so yeah thank you for allowing me to share and uh hopefully this is just useful to other women to just be brave and you know kind of not let fear get in the middle of one of the most beautiful experiences in life uh that you know it's really possible it's possible with the right kind of provider so the one thing i want to say is just choose your provider well choose your provider wisely do a little bit of homework but be safe you know there's always there's always challenges to every kind of birth there's challenges to a home birth there's challenges to a hospital birth uh but i think one just needs to know what is for them mm-hmm. uh but having said that please birth more naturally question more yes uh don't be fear don't be afraid to ask questions because uh that's the only way you can make decisions and start these questions while you are pregnant start at your first uh you know point of interaction with your provider so that you are able to make that choice by the time you get to your third trimester of what kind of birth experience you want and um, i think unless you know the the younger lot of women who don't ask these questions our health service delivery system is not going to change providers are still going to provide what they are used to providing and respectful maternity care is really going to just be hidden in the cupboards of people who really are comfortable with you know answering questions and providing good care there is a field beyond fear where the body is empowered to take on labor and birth to land there it is crucial to take birth education to enroll into our unique labor and birth preparation course reach out to us at www.birthagni.com or scroll through all available prenatal and postnatal preparation classes thank you for listening all in the spirit of birth womanhood and freedom remember you got the bar This podcast is about physiological birth and does not offer or claim to provide medical knowledge or diagnosis.